All right. The book of Daniel. It's, it's an interesting book. Uh, it'll, if you look it up in your, in your back, in the back of your Bible where it talks about different parts of the Bible, it'll say it's a book of prophecy. But it actually starts out with a little bit of history and a little bit of an autobiography and then a little bit of a biography of, of Nebuchadnezzar. And then it goes over into, into prophecy, not only prophecy for where the Jewish people were at the time, but international prophecy. And it goes all the way in to the future for us. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in in one book. And uh, Daniel's an interesting book in that the first seven chapters were written by Daniel in Aramaic. Now, Aramaic was the trade language of Babylonia. People that, that were from all over used the Aramaic language to, to trade. And so he wrote the first seven chapters in Aramaic. And then he wrote chapters 8 through 12, which are primarily prophecy in Hebrew. He said, I want, I want the Hebrew people to understand God's not finished with you. You've got a lot left ahead of you. Because Daniel's writing in captivity. The Israelites had been taken in, in 605 B.C. Babylon came up and they took their first set of captives, including Daniel and a couple of his friends. Matter of fact, a lot of people went away in that first wave of exile. And Daniel, when he's writing this book, Daniel's been in exile for over 70 years. When, the, when we come to the end of this book. And he writes over that period of time. And so you have this group of people. They're not in their homeland. The, the temple has been destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem are, are, are banged down. They're broken down. And, and Daniel writes, you've got a future. A future that will be something that you can't even imagine right now. Kind of a good message for us, isn't it? Do you ever feel like the, like the, the, the United States that you've known from years past is, is, gone, is a shadow of itself? There's no prayer in school. God is, God is, is God awake? We, we, we've just thrown God out of everything. Sometimes we can feel like that, but, but the, the main theme that Daniel gives to us is God is sovereign. We need to remember that. Because we can, you know, like I talked about wringing your hands. Are we going to make budget, right? If you look at the federal government, they're just like, are we going to stay open, right? Can we get enough votes to, to pass our budget? 
Right? We, we look at these things and we can wring our hands, but the reality is, is that God is sovereign. And when we can understand that, then God does great things for us. So we're going to start out in the, with this book of Daniel. And as we look at this, I want you to look at his life and, and, and what God did to prepare Daniel for what he was going to go through. So let's turn to Daniel and let's look at chapters 1, verses 1 through 4 to start out with. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar. That's another name for Babylon. To the house of his God... And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. And then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal families and of the nobles, youth in, who, in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding, and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. That is where we find Daniel and his three friends, because they're going to be part of this. And to understand the preparation Daniel had. Now, he's probably a teenager. So what was the influence on Daniel's life that was going to allow him to do what he was going to do? Well, to understand that, we have to go to 2 Kings 23. And you don't, if you want to turn there, you can, but I'm just going to kind of summarize what's going on here. Josiah was the last righteous king of Judah. And he became king at age eight. Do we got any kids in here today? I, I, can you imagine eight years old and you're given the kingdom? Now that tells me something. Is Josiah had some godly influence. Because when, when Josiah is... 26 years old, 18 years into his reign, he sends a message to the priest. He looked at the temple and he saw the temple was in disrepair. Not only was it in disrepair, but they had, the Israelites had taken every foreign god that they could think of and they, would put, a, they put a shrine inside the temple to the Most High God. Can you imagine that? And, and so Josiah says, clean it up and, and find whatever money is in the treasuries there and let's start to rebuild this. And as they're cleaning up the temple, they find 
the Torah, the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible. It had been buried among everything else in the temple. They hadn't read it for years. And so they bring the Torah to Josiah and they begin to read it. And Josiah goes, oh, man, are we in big trouble. We haven't been doing any of this. And so Josiah sends out an instruction and he says, I want you to two things. He says, I want you priests to go in and I want you to take out every single thing that doesn't do, have to do with Yahweh, the God most high. Ashtoreth, Baal, whatever was in there, take it out. They even had male prostitutes. For the, for the gods that they had put in there. He said, take them all out. Take them out. Take all those and burn them down in the, in the Valley of Kidron. And I want you to assemble all the people. And we're going to read the word of God together. Isn't that exciting? They said, we're going to be all on the same page. We're going to understand what God says. And he reigned for 31 years and during that time, not only did he reinstitute the reading of God's words, he reinstituted the Passover celebration. They hadn't even celebrated Passover, the highest festival that, that the Jewish people had. And he reinstituted all that. That is the kingdom that these young men were raised in. They were raised in the word of God. They were raised going to the temple. They were raised celebrating the Passover. The bringing out of the children of Israel and, the, and that God passed over their sin by the blood of the Lamb. That was pretty important. They learned all of that. And then after... Josiah dies, he has, he has two sons. He has one uh, that reigns for three months. Jehoiaz reigns for three months and Egypt comes in and hauls him off and then puts Jehoiakim. And Jehoiakim remains there for three years until the Babylonians come and Nebuchadnezzar comes in and, and hauls, hauls all the people off. Not all the people, but a majority of the people off. But these young men had been raised to know what God was about. They had been raised to know the scriptures. Folks, this is important. Being raised to love God matters in a world that doesn't love God, we have the responsibility of raising up our children, raising up the children within this church to love God. Because I guarantee you, when they get into junior high school, well, even in, in I get amazed at the stuff I read about what happens even in our own community. Even in our own community. We, they're being challenged at elementary school. 
that you can decide what your gender is. In our elementary schools, we have to teach them the word of God. We have to be part of, of raising them up so that when they are challenged, they have the word of God. They can go back to what they've been taught and say, wow, this matters. What we do here, no, your kids don't get a choice whether they come to church or not. They can make that choice when they're 18. You know, that's kind of, well, they need to discover for themselves. No, they need to be raised to love God. Proverbs tells us what? Train up a child in the way they should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's important. You see, once you get the word of God planted in a child, that's going to come back. And yes, children wander. Yes, you may have a prodigal. But that seed is planted. It will not go away. And one day the Holy Spirit's going to say, wow, come on, come on, you've been out here wandering long enough. It's time to come home. Well, let's go to the next section. Let's read the, the next couple verses and see what the king Nebuchadnezzar does to try to influence these young men. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of which they would enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And then the commander of the officials assigned them new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Michelle, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. What's in the name? Well, I want you to understand what their Hebrew name was to begin with. Daniel means God is my judge. Named after one of God's attributes. Because God is a righteous judge. He's a fair judge. He's an impartial judge. Daniel's name is God is my judge. Hananiah's name is gift from the Lord. His mama loved him. His dad, gift from the Lord. I wonder if he was, a, he was one of those only children that came late in life. We don't know. But Hananiah's gift from the Lord. Michelle is, who is like God? Isn't that something to live up to? Sometimes we, we need to name our, our children something that they can live up to. Azariah is helped. By God. That was their Hebrew names. They were all pointing back to God Almighty. And then the first thing that they do is they rename them. Because what? 
they want to get them away from their heritage. And so what do they name them? Daniel's name becomes Belshazzar, worshiper of Bel. Bel was their chief god. We would, in Hebrew, they would have called him Baal. He was, he was a, a false god that many, many kingdoms took hold of. Shadrach was illumined by Rock. Rock was their, was the son of Bel. Illumined by Rock. Meshach is who is like Shaq. Now this is not our basketball player, folks. <laughs> Shaq was the god of love. Uh, in Greek theology or mythology, we would call it Venus. Oh, Venus, right? It, it was the god of love. And then Abednego was, was servant of Nago, and Nago was the god of fire. And if you'll remember back, one of the gods that got Israel into big trouble was a god by the name of Molech. Molech was the god of fire. And what did they do? He, his, his idol was a god with his hands outstretched. And they would create, and where there was an altar under those hands, and they would offer their children on the god of fire to Molech. Same god. And so they tried to change the names. Well, names are important, people. Now, I'm not telling you to go change the name of your kid because you named them something odd. But, but names, uh, we all get uh, my legal name, for those who didn't know. My legal name is Benny. B-E-N-N-Y. Benny Dale. Uh, and, and you know how you know you're in trouble when you grow up? Benny Dale, you get that middle name added, right? My brother's name is Johnny. My father's name is John Benjamin. That's where our names came from. Names are important. On the back of your notes, I want you to flip it over. I printed something, I want because I want you to have this. I want you to take this home with you. Because when you start wondering, who am I? You know, God has a, a way of renaming people, doesn't he? Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Barnabas... The, the apostles, that wasn't his name. Son of encouragement. Simon became known as Peter, the little rock. God likes to change names. These are all on the back. These are all names God has for you. These are all names of believers. You are ambassadors in 2 Corinthians. In John 15, you are branches in Christ. In Ephesians 2, you are citizens of heaven. In John 13, you are disciples. In John or Matthew 24, you are the elect. 
in John 15. You are friends of Christ. In the Song of Solomon, you are the garden. In Romans 8, you are the heirs of God. In Romans 6, you are instruments. In 1 Corinthians 6, you are justified ones. In Revelation 1, you are the kingdom. In Matthew 5, you are the light. In Ephesians 5, you are members of Christ's body. In 2 Corinthians 5, you are new creatures in Jesus Christ. In Revelation 3, you are overcomers. In 1 Peter 2, you are a possession and a royal priesthood. In 1 Peter 4, you're stewards. In 1 Corinthians 3, you are temples. In Romans 9, you are vessels of mercy. And in 1 Corinthians 6, you are washed. And I couldn't find X, Y, and Z. Those are all things that you are. They're the names God gives you. You know, when I I drove school bus, I would always tell my kids, you can't say the S words on my bus. And they thought I meant profanity. Two words were not allowed on my bus, or actually it's three words, but the first one is stupid. That is such a degrading word. It goes to somebody's mentality. It's, it, it, and I said, if I hear it, you're going to be in the front seat right next to me. And if I hear it twice, you're going to be off the bus. I won't tolerate it. The other was shut up. To tell somebody to shut up. I said, if you have a problem with what somebody's doing, you come up and talk with me, and I'll have them come up and sit next to me. That'll keep that problem from happening again. Our words make a difference. And when we're talking to our little ones, when we're talking to our children, if if you can give them those wonderful names, can you imagine telling your child, you're an ambassador from our family. Go take these cookies to the neighbor. Instead of making it a chore, what have you just done? You've elevated them. They're an ambassador. You're from the kingdom of God. All of these names, we can use those to uplift not only our children, but of each other. You're a child of God. When you start arguing with somebody about theology, you remember they're joint heirs with Jesus. That changes the argument a little bit, doesn't it? We need to use the names that God gives us to elevate what God wants us to do. Well, let's, let's go on and let's see about this first challenge that Daniel and his friends face, 8 through 16. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, 
So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commanders of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youth who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, who, who the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in, the, in your presence and the appearance of the youth who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their appearance became better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and wine that, that they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. You know, as you look at this, I, you know, I, I'm impressed that some teenage boys would give up ribeye steak, right, for vegetables. But what was the issue? Daniel had been raised by Josiah under what? The law. And the law said, you don't eat anything that's offered to idols. And everything that the king had had been offered before the idols to bless it. And he said, no. It wasn't necessarily, I don't think it was about the food that they were eating. I think it was about the way it came. The wine would have been blessed by the idols. And they said, no. And so... God, God blessed them with their decision to make a stand. Notice it said that, that, that Daniel made up his mind. You know, it's interesting that the world assumes. Come on, there we go. The world assumes their way is better than God's way. Don't they? My truth. This is my truth. But God's way, you know, I wonder what would have happened if, if uh, Ashpenaz, who had placed over him, would have said, hey, uh, you know, vegetables and water is working really good for these guys. Let's give it to everybody. Oh, the king wouldn't have liked that very well. But it, but it obviously worked well. For Daniel and Azariah and Michelle and Hananiah, didn't it? It worked well. But the world assumes what? I mean, even the commander assumed that they would not, that, that, that it would not help them to flourish. It would not make them look better. He said, why, why should I get in trouble? Because you don't look as strong as everybody else. But after the trial that took place. But I want you to notice also that Daniel made up his mind. 
Come on. Here we go. There we go. Daniel made up his mind. For those who have some other translations, it might read, and Daniel purposed in his heart. He made up his mind. He purposed in his heart that he was going to follow God. That's important, people. That is important. Some people uh, uh, ask me sometimes, especially when I was in the police realm, why I don't drink. Because, you know, after work, hey, let's go down to the bar. Well, that's not my favorite place to drink a Diet Pepsi <laughs> or an iced tea. Well, why don't you drink? Well, my father was an alcoholic, which means that I was born with a gene that would make me more likely to be an alcoholic. I was also <laughs> born to be addicted to adrenaline. That's probably why I became a cop. Because, you know, if 60 miles an hour is good, 180 is better. I actually, I actually had a motorcycle that would go 180 miles an hour. Now, don't ask me how fast I drove one. But I knew when I, was, when I was 15 years old, I knew I had to make a decision. And that day when I made that decision, I said, I can't, I can't even allow myself opening up the door to the opportunity to drink. And so I made a decision when I was 15 years old. I will never take a drink of alcohol. And that has served me. I, I, that has served me well. Sometimes you have to make a decision. You have to purpose in your heart. And sometimes those are hard decisions to make. You face ridicule. Hey, we're having a kegger after the big game. Sorry. Not going to go. You know, you, you end up in places where you don't want to be. And you have to stand there and say, no. That's what Daniel did. He made up his mind. He purposed in his heart. And there's times that we have to do that. Well, the second thing he did was Daniel used his influence on his friends. Notice it was Daniel that went to the commander. He, he brought his friends along with him. You see, you can either influence your friends or what? Your friends will influence you. You make the decision. It's amazing how many times you'll make a, de a decision that's unpopular with the majority, right? Well, everybody's doing this. And all of a sudden, you've got four or five or six friends that are saying, uh, I'm going to go with you. I really didn't want to do that anyway. And you're like, going, wow, I thought I was the only one. And Daniel influenced his friends for the right reason. Well, let's finish up this chapter and see what happens with, with all of this that has gone on. As for these four youth, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. 
Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, the three years, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for the matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Who gave him the wisdom? God gave them the wisdom. God gave them knowledge and intelligence and wisdom. Why? Because they chose to follow him. They chose to follow his word. Who else had that happen to him? A guy by the name of Solomon. God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, ask anything you want. And Solomon said, give me wisdom that I may rule these people. And God says, wow. Because you've asked for, you didn't ask for money. You didn't ask for long life and you didn't ask for your enemies to be defeated. You asked for wisdom. Because of that, I'm going to give you all the rest of it. And Solomon became known as the wisest man in the world. You know, there's a, a Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And I'm just going to read the first six verses of Proverbs 2. Um, but it talks about this pursuit of wisdom. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God, for God gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And you could go on through the entire chapter. You can read the rest for yourself. You see, God wants you to be wise. God wants you to have the understanding. But where does it come from? It has to come from the right source. And as you, as you read... God begins to put that in your heart. A couple years ago, I, I started a new, uh, a new part of my Bible reading program where I read a proverb every morning, the, a chapter, okay? A chapter out of Proverbs every morning, which means I get through the book of Proverbs 12 times a year, right? In 31 days, I get through all of the, so you, and you know what's amazing to me as I begin reading, reading through these? Every day, a new one jumps out to me. Hey, God, you know, thank you for telling me. Thank you for informing me on how I should speak. Thank you for informing me on who I should hang out with. Thank you on for informing me on how I should act. Thank you for informing me on what you think is important. 
The book of Proverbs is filled with that. And he filled them. It was God who gave them that. In John chapter 12, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. But listen to this. If anyone serves me, the Father will what? Honor him. Ooh. Don't you want to have the, the, the honor of the Father? The favor of the Father? Follow me, serve me, and I will honor you. Look what happened to these young men. God elevated them to positions of influence. God elevated them to positions of influence. God allowed them to be put in a place where they could influence not only the Jewish people, but the people of Babylon. The other thing that God did for, for Daniel, at least, we don't really know how long Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah lived, but we do know how long Daniel served the kingdom. In the kingdom, it says that he was there till the first year of Cyrus the king, which was in 539 B.C. That's 76 years from the time he went into captivity. For 76 years through an overthrow. Can you imagine? When Babylon was overthrown, what do they usually do? They usually come in and take all the top leadership out. They left Daniel. Daniel served Cyrus, he served Darius, the Medes and the Persians. He served all of them. God gave him longevity for serving him. You know, one of the, you know, sometimes people ask me, you know, they come and visit the church and say, there's an awful lot of gray hair in your church. And I go, amen. Because God gives longevity when you're serving him. Matter of fact, Psalms 9, oops, sorry. Back one. Psalms 91 says, he will call upon me. This is talking about the righteous man, the righteous person. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him. I, or I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Man, you ought to be quoting that instead of taking your one-a-days. Well, maybe do both. But God blesses us when we follow him. Daniel was given a long life because he made up his mind to follow God as a young man. And every time he came up against something, and we're going to see that he came up a lot, came up to a lot in his life as we go through the book of Daniel. Every time we see him come up against something hard, Daniel says, all right, it's okay. My God has me. Well, we're going to come to communion. And as we do... 
that phrase comes to me that Daniel made up his mind. You know, Jesus made up his mind. Jesus made up his mind that he was going to do the Father's will. Isn't that right? As he stood at the Garden of Gethsemane, he had already been betrayed. Judas had already gone off to get the Roman soldiers and to get the, get the high priest and have them to come. He knew that and he, and in the garden and he struggled. It's okay to struggle. It says he sweat drops of blood as he stood in the garden of Gethsemane and he prayed for not just one simple prayer. He prayed for hours, actually. If you follow the scene, he went off to pray and they fell asleep and he went off to pray a second time and they fell asleep again in the midst of the night as Jesus was agonizing over this decision. And what did he say? Father, not my will, but thine be done. He made up his mind to go to the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine that we could have eternal life. We need to make up our minds. We're going to follow Jesus. It may not be easy. They're going to go through time after time when they're challenged. Even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And we need to make up our minds to follow Jesus. Jesus.